Uh, I said it Tuesday night, and let me just say it in on the journey program. Please hear me. It's so important in, in, in going through discipleship with our men. It's so important that you don't just know it, but you know it to share it. Amen. It's one thing that I know it. It's another thing when I know it to the degree that I could share it and help somebody else understand it. Amen. The freedom that we have in Christ. And so the whole process of the journey program is teaching us what it means to come to Christ, to come to the cross, to receive his forgiveness, and then to how to pass through that forgiveness and leave the past behind and enter the victory that is ours in Christ Jesus. Amen. And then on the other side of that, learning how to live with the cross. And every one of us, Jesus said, if anybody will come after me, let him deny himself, pick up his cross and follow me. So it's not something that I have to do or that, but every one of us faces different challenges. Every person has a different personality, different appetite, different things that you wrestle with. Some of us wrestle with the same thing. Some of us have never wrestled with something that somebody we know has had to deal with, but all of us have things that we have to deny in our life. Could I get an amen? And no matter how long you're saved, we're fighting this battle of denying ourselves in order to follow Christ. That's one of the main things, that I choose to give up the governance of my life and submit to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. That God in His authority, when He made man, He made man the authority in the earth. And when the devil came along and tempted Adam and Eve, they became a self-sovereign. They began to govern themselves. You will be as God. And man became a self-sovereign at that point. And when you and I accept Christ, we turn over the sovereignty of our life. I am no longer God of my life. I'm no longer going to govern my life, be Lord of my life. I choose the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Amen? So learning how to come under that Lordship, submit my sovereignty back to His and be led by the Spirit. Would you agree? And so with that, that, there's a denying process that comes with it. I have to deny myself. I have to say no to myself because myself still has a voice. My flesh still has a voice. My desires and, 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 my, and most of all, my attitude has a voice. Do anybody have an attitude with the voice besides me? I mean, that something happens and it, it affects your attitude. How many have an attitude that's, that, that, that's like schizophrenic? You know. We've called it bipolar today. It's just a schizophrenic attitude. Amen. Well, one moment. You, everybody in this room is a Dr. Jekyll and a Mr. Hyde. We can go boom, boom, boom. switch. Wow, what's up with that? And so denying that stuff. Amen. Dealing with that. So uh, the journey is so important. We're doing that on, on, on uh, uh, Tuesday nights. And so I encourage you. And more than anything else, maybe you can't teach somebody the principles of the cross yet, but you could walk with somebody going through this with them. Amen? So invite somebody. Bring somebody to church with you. Help them understand how important it is to come to the cross. All the things that we're able to lay down. How many know there's nothing that we can't bring to the cross? There's nothing that we've experienced or happened to us in our life that we can't bring to the foot of the cross and leave it there and have it covered by the blood and be forgiven of. Amen? So that power is there. And there's nothing that can follow us through the cross over our path. Blood shuts the door on everything. Hallelujah. 
and then learning the power and the victory that is ours. So maybe you can't teach that yet, but walk along, come along somebody and invite them with you. Amen. Mark chapter 4 and verse 1. And again he began to teach by the sea, and a great multitude was gathered with him, so that he got into a boat and sat on the sea, and the whole multitude was on the land facing the sea. And he taught them many things by parables, and said to them in his teaching. And I'm going to go on with this a minute. It was interesting while we were there at the Sea of Galilee in Jerusalem, that uh, the little place where they said that Jesus appeared to them, and uh, after his resurrection, they were fishing. He asked them if they caught any fish. And he's on the ground, on the shore there. And he's cooking the fire. And he's making breakfast for them. And Peter jumps out of the boat and swims in after they catch the fish and stuff. But they said that's the same kind of area right in there where this was taking place. Where he was in the region of Capernaum there and ministering. And uh, so it's kind of cool because that land is kind of shaped kind of like an amphitheater that goes up there. And the old stone that was there where this church is, is actually what was a, 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 a dock that's there and stuff. And as Abraham told us, where we were, the water was up quite a ways. But seen, I've seen it way out past the little jetty that was there and then all the way up where this little landing area and dock area is completely covered. So depending upon the rainfall in the region at that time. So Jesus is there. He's ministering. And listen what he begins to say, verse 3. Listen, behold, a sower went out to sow. And it happened as he sowed that some seed fell by the wayside. The birds of the air came and devoured it. Some fell on stony ground where it didn't have much earth. And immediately it sprang up because it had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, it was scorched. And because it had no root, it withered away. And some seed fell among thorns. And the thorns grew up and choked it and yielded no crop. Verse 8, but other seed fell on good ground and yielded a crop that sprang up, increased and produced some thirtyfold, some sixty and some a hundredfold. And he said to them, he who has what? Ears to hear, let him hear. Now, every time I read that, I always think, I believe everybody there in the crowd had ears. I mean, you're not looking out and people with, you know. With no ears. So he's saying that there are ears that hear outwardly. And then there are ears that hear inwardly. And we've been talking to you about God who is a talking God. Who made a talking man. And that we have this unique distinction out of all creation. That we are able to articulate speech towards God. We are able to speak to God. Jesus when he wrote to the church in the book of Revelation. He said seven times at the end of each statement. He said let him that has ears to hear hear what the spirit says to the church and i'm going to submit to you that flesh cannot hear spirit spirit hears spirit flesh hears flesh so he says jesus says and and i i, I used to like, like brother hagan brother hagan make the statement he'd say are you listening to me with both ears and he meant your outer ears and your inner ear. Are, are, are you listening with your head? And are you listening with your heart as well? Amen? And so Jesus is saying that the sower here is sowing the word. And the disciples ask him the questions. And uh, what does this mean? In verse 13, he said, don't you understand this parable? Then how will you understand all parables? And verse 14 is all I want to read here. He says, the sower sows the word. The sower sows the word. So it's so important to you. Jesus illustrates a whole kingdom. And he says understanding this parable is key to understanding all the parables. That when God comes to you, he comes to you with words. God has always come to his people with words. With a voice. 
And just like in the garden, we read in Genesis 3.8, Adam and Eve were walking, and, and actually they're hiding at that time, and the sound of the voice of the Lord, they heard the sound of the voice walking in the garden. And God came to Adam and Eve in the beginning with a voice. He manifested Himself or revealed Himself by His voice. That's still His will for you and I today. We are to be a people of the voice of God, that know the voice of God, that have a confidence in our knowing His voice and being able to distinguish it above every other voice in the earth. Are you with me this morning? It is so important that we understand this. Look at the cover of your outline. And, 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 and right on the cover there, how, how many have ever heard of somebody being a carrier of a disease? And there are some people who, who actually carry diseases, but it doesn't affect them. Those are the most dangerous people. Amen. And, uh, but I don't know about you, I want to be a carrier of the voice. Just write that down, a carrier of the voice. A talking God and a talking man. I want to be somebody infected with the voice of God. Amen. And uh, I'm, I'm going to interject this because I wrote it while we were just worshiping right there. And there was a moment when the music came down and, and, and I, I heard a chorus of worship in this house this morning. There was a moment this morning when your voices were elevated even to the point that they were surpassing the music and, and, and the music had come down a little bit and you could hear this chorus of worship taking place and all these different and immediately I had a flashback to the wall at Jerusalem. That's why I said what I said because on Friday night of the Shabbat I came to that wall and it's just a flooded with people. And they're all, and as you move down closer, you get to the barrier, and there's about a hundred yards between the barrier and you where you go down and, and it's just packed and flooded and everybody there on different levels there are people there weeping and travailing there there were people dancing and singing there but the, but just this chorus going up to God and so I wrote on the cover of my outline the wall right up here for me and Sunday night we're going to change our prayer time from intercession to the wall I'm going to name it the wall because something happened, people had faith to go to the wall, to go to that place. You know what, it's a little stretch, it's only like 300 yards long of the wall of the original temple, the foundation of the original, that you can get to. That when Jesus was there, that original part of Herod's temple that you can still get to. And in that little segment, they believe if they go to the wall. And they pray and they lift their voice that God will hear their voice. And at that point, there is a voice going up to God. And I believe there is a voice coming down from God. Are you with me? So we're to be a people of the voice. Not only just hear His voice, but express our voice to God. And if it ever happens in the church of America that we believe that God hears our voice, that we can hear His voice, and He will hear our voice, we will not hesitate to go to the wall for prayer. To be at that place, to gather. And if we believe that there's power in that corporate anointing, in the assembly, and God does something corporately greater than what He does individually, we will not hesitate or be isolated. Amen? Praise the Lord. And so it is so powerful what God does for us in these times. And it's important that we press into that. In fact, uh, you can write this down. Beginning May 18th. May 18th. For the rest of this year, we are partnering with churches in the Sacramento area. There are almost a hundred churches right now who have come together and banded together to begin, beginning in May, the first Sunday in May, we are starting a corporate revival of prayer in the Sacramento region of 24 hours a day, seven days a week. 
and churches are signing up. So I signed up Solid Rock Faith Center. I said, I don't want to do this once a year. We will take the third Wednesday of every month, beginning May 18th, and we will pray for 24 hours in this church. We'll be a house of prayer for 24 hours. Amen. And we're going to have signage. People can come in. And this place is going to be open. And it's not just that. People from all over the Sacramento region, churches are going to be listed. What church is open for prayer on that day? A different church every day of the week. And people who want to be a part of that 24-7 prayer can come to that church. So we're going to invite people to the wall at Solid Rock Faith Center. Believing God that we can pray here. Are you with me this morning? powerful and uh, our, our friend brother Ted Rose has headed this up who was asked to sit on a commission with them and go down there and be part of the planning and uh, so I don't know about you I, I've never liked just to be a little bit involved I don't want to just be a little bit Christian I don't want to just be a little bit baptized I don't want to just be a little bit this I want to be all in amen so I said, is it okay if we have one day a month and we do that every month versus just trying to figure out here and there? And so I believe God's going to do something amazing. It's amazing when that many people come together and believe. When, listen again, I'm talking about our voice. I, I, I said at the beginning of the year, this would be the year of the voice. Not just the voice of God, but I believe our voice changing and having significance once again. And I believe when God's people come together and pray across all denominations and all boundaries, and we begin to band together and lift our voice as one voice to God, something's going to happen. Amen? And, and, and I'm glad it's happened in the Sacramento region. Do you know that God moved regionally to bring revivals? And things happen in small areas and in small ways, but because people came together. And every time God has ever moved, you read your Bible, every time God has ever moved, it's been in response to a voice. God delivered Israel because of the sound of a voice that came out. God said to Moses, I've heard the cry of my people who are in bondage. But there's another voice that gets a response from God. Because when God said to Abraham, I've heard the cry of Sodom coming up towards me. I don't know about you, in my generation, I want to lift up the voice that brings deliverance and not judgment. Amen? That's where I want to be, praise the Lord. So I didn't plan on going there, but that's all free this morning, hallelujah. That wasn't contained in your offering, that's just on top, praise the Lord. So man's life is ruled by words. Everything you and I believe is now connected to the words we have heard. When people want to shape and influence the way we think, they do it with words. How many of you have ever had somebody press upon you with their words? They just keep pressing, and as they're talking, they even move closer. Amen? Now watch. Space. Amen. So words are spoken, heard, and received in the heart of a man and become the treasure of his life. And the treasure of our hearts comes from the voice that we choose to hear in Mark chapter 4 there. The sower came out and sowed seeds. And the sower sowed the word and it was sown to the hearts of men. Jesus declared that the Holy Spirit would come as a voice to our lives. Holy Spirit is here to walk with us as the voice of the Lord God in our days as He did with Adam in His day. To be the one voice that we would follow. Amen? And I tease about that all the time about devices with multiple voices. But, and, and it's okay. But we are so bombarded with voices. 
Amen. That sometimes you need isolation to just the one voice. So to get this right, we have to be willing to eliminate some voices. Everything in life has a voice. Whether you're hearing my voice, excuse me, while you're hearing my voice, there will be another voice speaking to you as well. The voice of self, the voice of flesh, the voice of distraction, the voice of doubt that is connected to words that were sown before in your heart. Come on, the sower sows the word, but how many know other things have been sown in your heart? We're going through some things in, in discipleship and bringing up some area and some statements. I'll say, wait a minute, I heard that differently. I, I, I've heard something different. I said, wait a minute, well, let's just read the Bible because this word says this. And sometimes we have treasures in our heart when it comes to the Bible that are connected to our emotions more than they're connected to the word. Are you, we, we have emotional doctrines that aren't really scriptural doctrines, in other words. Are you listening to me? Praise the Lord. So now watch this. The only thing that keeps you from responding to God and receiving His Word is a voice. The only reason people don't get saved is because they don't trust the voice of God. Anytime somebody says, no, I don't want to hear that, I don't want to receive that, then you're choosing another voice. Nobody's life is without a voice. Anything, anytime you hear the word of God, you're saying, no, I have another voice. And sometimes it's a voice of myself. I don't think God expects that of me. I don't think that applies to me. I don't think this or doubt. I, you know, I, I don't have, we have doubt around that. We have fear around that. It doesn't matter what it is. I think, I don't know why I have to confess Christ as Savior. I can just be good and be saved. Where'd you get that voice from? What voice said that to you? God said this, and yet you say there's another voice that says that you don't really have to be saved. Well, I can believe I can be a Christian and not go to church. Where'd you get that voice? What voice told you that? I don't have to be a part. We're talking about connection and discipleship and being members one of another. Well, I can just live my own Christian life. I don't have to be connected. I don't have to be a part of an organized church. Where'd you, what voice told you that? I just wait until the voice is clear. <laughs> Amen. So I, how many know I'm just throwing things out there this morning? Amen? Just giving us some illustration. So the, Jesus said, look, go with me in Genesis chapter 3 and let's just watch this. Watch what happens in the beginning. And I always like this. We always think we're so good at being able to separate the voices. In the beginning, in the garden, in Genesis 3, this was the perfect place. There was no sin. There were no distractions. There was no evil. There was no temptation. There was nothing there. It was all God looked at it all and said, It is good. All of it. Amen? There was no whatever. Nothing that you... There was nothing. All the things that we have to try to filter through today... To maintain a purity of thought. They had nothing. Are you with me? All they had was one voice in their lives. And here's the power of a voice. Then all of a sudden, a second voice shows up. And watch what happened. Genesis chapter 3. Now the th serpent was what? More cunning. Everybody say cunning. This is what we forget. The devil is a brilliant being. 
What is man that you are mindful of him? The son of man that you, you have made him a little lower than the angels. In God's creation, there were three archangels. Michael, Gabriel, and Lucifer. And they reigned over each one of them over a third part of heaven. Archangels. Lucifer was in charge of the worship of heaven. In him were instruments and timbrels and music came forth from him. And when the music came out of him, all of heaven worshipped God. And he began to think, wait a minute, I should be getting some of the props for this. I should be getting some of the respect for this. I should be getting some of the glory for this. Because this is coming out. God, not he's sitting over there getting the glory for what's coming out of me. This is preaching really good right now. Some of you get this. But look, at God's just sitting there getting the glory for what's coming out of me. I should be the one getting the glory for what's coming out of me. So I will do this. I will ascend my throne above the Most High. And I will get glory for what comes out of me. And God kind of did that. Eh, wrong answer thing. <laughs> Amen? And so he was cast down. But now this voice that was created in the presence of God for the presence of God and knows the voice of God came walking with them. And the voice is still saying, I will get worship for me. I will get worship for me. So I will take what He has created to worship Him, and I will make it turn and listen to my voice and now give worship to me. And so the voice comes and says, Hey, look at the tree. Questioning the voice of God. Didn't God say you could eat everything? Yes. Except. Everybody say except. He said except the tree that's in the midst of the garden. We can eat. But after listening to the voice, it's in your outline there, after listening to the voice, what was forbidden now became pleasurable to look on, desirable and good. How many things has a voice shaped in our life that when I read the Word of God, the Word of God says don't touch that, don't partake of that, but yet another voice has caused me to see it in a different way and what was not to be touched, what was not to be partaken of has all of a sudden been redefined by another voice, not His Word, but by another voice that has came that it is now pleasurable, it is now desirable, and it is good. Are you listening to me? And so in the church, we define that today is not that bad. I know it's forbidden, but it's not that forbidden. I know it's bad, but it's not that bad. Are you with me? Is anybody guilty of not that bad besides me? This goes back to that why we need the cross. Can I get amen? And remember, wait a minute, wait, I need to deny that voice. Are you with me this morning? So the voice... Now watch, watch. They had had fellowship with God. Verse 8 is not the first time God walked with them by a voice. Just because you only read it once and read it for the first time in your Bible, not the first time. There's gaps, amen? 
And so God just gives us enough insight to understand truth. So we live by that truth. And so with that, God had a, had a habit of walking with them. They recognized it. They knew He was coming. They, and all of a sudden, I don't know about you, I felt the same way after the voice convinced me that what was forbidden is now good, pleasurable, and to be desired. I now have to find, come up with an excuse to cover myself. Amen? So now I'm covering myself. And because I know the real voice is going to come pretty quick. <laughs> I know I'm going to have a real voice come again. Amen. And I sense something has changed in my relationship between me and the voice. And what changed it was another voice. Is this helping anybody this morning? So what? Our relationship with God. So the enemy always comes, excuse me, to sow tares amongst the wheat. And he comes with the voice of others to drown out the voice of one. And our relationship with God is based on our ability to hear His voice, receive His words, to follow His words, and to speak with our voice back to Him. It is so powerful. How come the things that are so powerful in our life are so hard for us to do? What I was just saying about prayer, do you know how powerful prayer is in your life? Do you know how powerful it is for you to speak your voice back to God? Or for God to hear your voice? Do a study sometime and, and, and all the places where God responded to the cry of the people. The psalmist said, I cried unto Him in the midst of my fear and He delivered me from all my trouble." So when God hears a voice, trusting in Him, believing in Him, and calling upon Him, He moves in response to a voice. Hallelujah. Amen. And so our, the voice that doesn't leave us, the voice of God does not leave us where He finds us. Or how He finds us. And I finished with this, and we ended here a couple weeks ago. Think about Adam. How many know God didn't leave Adam ashamed and hiding, covered with fig leaves? The, God, the voice found him there, but the voice didn't leave him there. God declared the redemption and the restoration for his seed. And then God created a sacrifice and made a covering for him. So man no longer had to be embarrassed in the presence of the voice. And for you and I today, God has done the same thing for us. He doesn't leave us where he finds us. And we went through these. Just think about it. With, with Abraham, God didn't leave him where he found him. With Elijah, God didn't leave him hiding in a cave. With Zacchaeus, God didn't leave him looking in a tree. The voice of God came and said, Zacchaeus, come down. Today salvation has come to your house. And he was chained. The disciples, after the resurrection, were back in their boats, fishing and in fear and discouraged and dismayed by his death. But Jesus calls out to them, Hey, do you have any meat? And they said no. And he says, then throw your net on the other side. And they catch it. And Peter goes, hey, it's the Lord. And he runs out. But it all came by a voice. And what had happened had discouraged him. And I'm certain. How many know that while they're going through the, the arrest and the trial and the persecution and the scourging and the death of the Lord Jesus Christ, that they are being bombarded with voices. And out of that, they're even in the upper room. And, and, and Mary, Jesus says, go tell Peter and my disciples I'm alive. The dudes don't even hang around. And so the first woman to preach the resurrection. 
One guy asked me one time, uh, uh, came and visited and was upset because I was out of town and somebody was preaching. Uh, I had Sister Janet was preaching in our church. And she goes, well, that's out of order. I said, no, it's not. I asked her to do it. She's under my authority. You go, do you believe in women preachers? Only biblically, yes. I says, the first person to declare the resurrection was Mary. Mary. The whore. The harlot. The prostitute. Out of whom Jesus cast seven devils. Was the only one that had enough faith to be at the tomb. And then God said, hey, if I can't get a man, I'll send a woman. Catherine, wait, 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 you think, I think I made that up, I didn't. Catherine Kuhlman said this. Somebody asked her about her ministry. Catherine Kuhlman says, I'm doing what a man refused to do. Are we doing all right? How did we end up there? Praise the Lord. He doesn't leave you where, so the disciples were afraid. Mary has to come and tell them, and then they go out and preach the gospel. Paul was changed. The voice of God came to him as a persecutor and turned him into the persecuted for the glory of God. Think about this. John the Baptist came as a voice of one crying in the wilderness as Brother Wayne did a great job last week preaching to us and bringing that message. Jesus came as the voice we are here to follow. We are, we are to hear and to follow. He is our good shepherd. And then the Holy Spirit comes as a voice to lead and guide us into all truth. The only thing lacking is the upgrade of our voice recognition. We have been taught to hear so many different voices. And I'm always amazed when I do that. Out of this crowd Right now, if all of you ladies that have children on that side, the, the dads, this doesn't apply to you because we are tone deaf in this area. But if that door was open and you, you could hear the children crying, the woman who belongs to that child would know that voice. Because there is a voice imprint, there is a bond between the woman and the child that is different between the man and the child. And so there is an imprint in the woman in that nature of the mother and the nurturer to be able to distinguish the voice out of a multitude of voices. And you are made in the image and the likeness of God. And the God that made the woman like that is also a nurturer. And when you cry out, the nurturer in God is able to distinguish your voice out the same way. But you and I have to be able to distinguish His voice. To hear His voice and recognize His voice. The vocal imprint is so unique. It's as unique as your fingerprint. Your voice is as unique. We, we, we understand the uniqueness of it. We don't completely have the technology yet to make it flawless. But your voice is a greater security code than your fingerprint. And so they are now uh, uh, adapting security measures of fingerprints and voice recognition. Which means this morning, a few moments ago, when we were worshiping God and that chorus of praises was going up, your voice is your fingerprint in heaven. And God picks you out individually out of every crowd. You are never lost in the crowd with God. Your voice is recognized by Him. Write this down. Your voice is your mark of distinction in heaven. Your voice 
is your mark of distinction in heaven. And when God hears your voice, He knows exactly who is calling. God doesn't say, who is that? God knows every voice that He ever created in the same way that the mother can recognize that child down the hall and say, that is my child. When God hears your voice, He knows that is Thomas. He knows that is Brian. He knows that is Rick. He knows that is Pandora. He knows who it is. He says, I know that voice. And you have His full attention. The amazing thing about God is that He can recognize all of our voices all at the same time and give them the insane amount of attention and the fullness of His attention and the fullness of His glory and the fullness of His provision and the fullness of His power all at one time. He is an awesome God. Hallelujah! Problem has never been that God is not speaking. Read the book of Proverbs. Proverbs begins chapter 1. Wisdom cries in the streets. It says because you didn't hear. Calamity comes. Hear it over and over. The voice that's speaking and speaking and speaking. Wisdom speaking and speaking. It's not because there's not a voice. We're not hearing. The problem has been our ability to recognize His voice, to distinguish it out of the myriad of voices that are bombarding us daily. Prayer separates us to be able to hear just one voice. Prayer is you hearing God, but in that time of isolation and elimination of other voices, I'm in a place where I can hear His voice. And then when I hear His voice, I become familiar with His voice. You, you have tremendous voice recognition capability. Every one of you in this room has a group of people that you recognize by voice. You hear them. You watch, uh, when, you, when you watch some of these singing competition shows, they'll tell you, oh, you have a distinct tone to your voice. It's different. If you were on the radio, we could pick your voice out of the sea of voices that's out there. You have a very distinct tone. Are you listening to me? You have a distinct tone with God. Each of us do. And, and we've learned, we can recognize, oh, that's so-and-so, that's this. Somebody calls you on the phone, you know immediately who it is. Because you've had extended conversation with them. You've heard the voice enough, you recognize it. And when you separate yourself to prayer and you begin to speak to God and you isolate the other voices and you begin to hear His voice, you go, that's God. I know that voice. I know that voice. Amen. God doesn't fool you. He doesn't come along. I'll get Him. Hey, how you doing today? <laughs> I'm going to see if they recognize me. <laughs> he, he not, Yo, what's up? Hey, ho, ho, ho. No, he doesn't. Are you listening to me? We think God's trying to trick us. God always comes with clarity. He always comes with clarity. Are you with me this morning? Stay with me. But it takes time to become familiar with the voice. You must hear it often for a period of time to recognize it. I can't afford to be pacified with another voice. I shared this with Wayne this morning in prayer. I'll share it with you. A couple weeks ago, the Lord woke me up with this statement. I believe it fits right here today. We pacify our inner ear until we cannot hear or distinguish the voice or words we need to hear 
in these troubled times. We pacify our inner ear until we cannot hear or distinguish the voice we need to hear in these troubled times. And a baby will be whining and wanting to nurse and in order to pacify them, we will give them a substitute that does nothing. That brings no life, brings no substance, no nurturing to their life. It just has them going through the motion. And what it does, it satisfies them and it calms them. And you look up the word pacifier and it's called a, the first word they give you in the definition is a dummy. So you're giving your baby a dummy nipple. You're giving them, and the words were a dummy, a binky, and a soother. Stay with me. A soother. So the enemy, when you become hungry for God, the devil teaches you to pacify that hunger with soothing voices. He gives you pacifying voices that soothe the hunger and, and, and stop the desire, but it's not giving you any life. Are you with me? The other definition is, is that it is a substitute for the real. It produces action without substance. It is going through the motions, yet not being fed. And I'm submitting to you, that's the church of America. We are going through the motions, but we are not being fed. And so we're satisfied just to come. (laughs) But we're not connected to life. And I'm not making, God is very illustrative in this. Do you know what El Shaddai means? The all-sufficient one, the all-breasty one. That man is nurtured. When the Bible says that you are drawn and weaned from the breast, that there is a place where God takes you like a mother as a newborn babe desire the sincere milk of the Word that you may grow thereby. And as a babe, as a nursing babe, we have found out that God put in a, in a mother certain antibodies and immunities that are in the mother's milk that cannot be replicated in formula. And a newborn babe, when it is attached to a mother's breath is getting a nourishment that can't be fabricated any other way and so when we draw from that and God says I am El Shaddai I am the all sufficient one I will bring you to my breath and I will feed you and I will nurture you and then you will be drawn from the breath and you will be able to stand and you will have the immunity on the inside to resist the germs and the things that will come against you and then you'll grow to a place and be able to grow into maturity But the Bible tells us, I mean, but the world tells us, no, just suck on this, you'll be fine. And so what it does is created a self-pleasing mentality amongst the churches and in America that as long, we think as long as I'm sucking on something, I'm okay. 
as long as I'm soothing, as long as I'm easing my conviction, as long as I'm going through this motion, but it is a substitute for the real and there is no exchange of substance. And then I wonder why, how come I have no immunity to the tax of the devil? How come I have no immunity in my mind? How come I have no covering from my heart? How come I feel like the devil has open access into my life? Because you have no immune system because you've never been connected to the breast of God. Where does this stuff come from? (laughs) Stay with me. Hallelujah. God has always come with a voice to His people. And we've been uncomfortable with His voice. I'm sorry. God makes me uncomfortable. He should. I was thinking about it. We we took uh, the grandkids camping. We went a long ways. Went to KOA. It was awesome. (laughs) <laughs> they thought it was cool. Yeah. Amen. There's a lot of work. Pull the trailer out for a night and hook it up. And do it. But anyway, <laughs> we're sitting around the campfire, and boys love to play with fire, <laughs> which includes me. I still play with fire. I've learned how to play with it and not get burnt. <laughs> Amen. But sometimes my plane. Causes sparks to affect somebody else, like my wife. Uh-oh. Amen. So I'm rearranging the fire. She's walking by, and my plane is making sparks right. She's going, hey, hey, hey. Anyway, but this, <laughs> this area is, is that Chase is playing, and his sticks kept getting shorter and shorter. And I said, son, there's just an old saying. If you play with fire, you will get burned. Because the nature of fire has a lot of great benefits. Fire is awesome. Provides heat, provides light, provides protection. It it can do so many things. Refines, purifies. But it also burns anything that gets in it. How many know when you're in fire, you don't stay the same? I'll just go and hang out for a while. I'll come back. I'll be all right. No, you, you, can't, you, you can't come in contact with fire and be the same. Yet my Bible declares that our God is a consuming fire. And we think we can just go in and come out. And go in and come out. And go in. No, that's binky theology. You're sucking on the wrong thing. You can't go in and come out. You can't go into His presence and not be changed. And His presence can't come to where you are and not make you uncomfortable. That fire was going, and and we put the little benches up there, and when it was started, it it was all cool, and we could be real close, but the more the fire started growing, our benches kept moving back. Because the presence of the fire, we, we couldn't stay that close and be comfortable. And so what we say to God, God, please stay at a distance where we can remain comfortable and not be changed by your presence. Are you listening to me? But God says, no, just come on in because whatever gets changed is worth it. Whatever gets burned off, whatever is left. And that's why the Bible says like, like, like fire to silver. It, it causes the impurities. 
to rise to the top. And then God, by the Holy Spirit, can glean that dross off of our life. And we come out refined and pure. That's God's will for our life. But unfortunately, fire is uncomfortable. Amen? The presence of God is uncomfortable. One of our young men was a couple years ago was looking for places to go and so he contacted a very prominent church in the Sacramento area and he asked him this question. Hear me this morning. Let me just give you this. The Holy Spirit was given to be the one voice in our life. The Holy Spirit. Jesus said in John 14 and through 16 speaking of the Holy Spirit he said it is expedient for you that I go away if I do not go he will not come but if I go the Father will send the Holy Spirit the promise of the Father is the Holy Spirit and these scriptures are there I'm not going to read them but in John 16 he says and when he has come he will lead you he will teach you and he will guide you he will be God's voice in your life here today the voice of God will be walking with you his voice will be distinguishable his voice will be recognizable you'll be able to know his voice and distinguish it from every other voice amen and he will guide you into truth but as in Exodus the people have said to the priests and the leaders today you go hear from God then come tell us what he said because his immediate voice and his immediate presence makes us uncomfortable. My job is not to hear from God and to tell you what he said. My job is to invite you into his presence to give you the good news. God didn't send somebody. There is one mediator between God and man and that is Christ Jesus our Lord and our job is to bring everybody into an intimate relationship with him and draw you into his presence that you would know that you know that you know that you know the voice of God when he speaks to you. Amen. And so man has taken responsibility to speak for God without asking God what to speak. We've taken His voice out of our churches and assemblies because He makes most people uncomfortable when He speaks. Two years ago, I went back and I dug it up in my notes and I found it. This was an email response from a prominent church in the Sacramento area. And I'm not naming them. It doesn't matter who they are. It, it, I just want you to hear this response. He was asking him about the baptism of the Holy Spirit and speaking in other tongues and the gifts of the Spirit in the church. He said, Blank is not a charismatic church and does not practice speaking in tongues or other sign gifts as part of our worship services. We do believe that the Holy Spirit enters the life of the believer at their conversion to Christ. And because we are in Christ, all the fullness of the Godhead lives in us. Listen, that, that's true. Colossians 2. All the fullness of the Godhead lives in us bodily. God's fullness lives in us. Amen? Amen. Completely true. But look at We do not believe that there is a second work of grace that occurs at a separate point in time resulting in speaking in tongues. Now, I'm not going to do a whole discourse or deviate. Acts chapter 8 says, Philip went down and preached to Samaria, and they were all believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. They were all baptized in His name. But as of yet, the Holy Spirit had not fallen upon, everybody say upon. Not come in them, but had not fallen upon any of them. On the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came upon them, not in them, came upon them. And Jesus said it like this in John 16, He shall be with you, in you, and upon you. Three adjectives. He has been with you and he shall be in you. And when the Holy Spirit comes in Acts 1-8, after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, you shall receive power in us, with us, and upon us. Are you with me? Three distinct works of the Holy Spirit. But they say, okay, we don't agree with that. That's their choice. Listen to what they say. We do believe in spiritual gifts given by the Spirit. We do list all the gifts and we teach them based on Romans 12, 
1 Corinthians 12, we went through that this morning in discipleship with the men, the nine gifts of the Spirit, and said that God set them in the church. And the manifestation is given to every man. And God put them there. In Ephesians 4, the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher. So God may, listen, so God may gift a person for healing, for tongues, for interpretation, etc. And there are some at, blank, who operate in those gift areas, but they're in, and they are welcome and accepted as a part of the family of God. But look at this next day. But we have chosen not to practice those gifts. Stay with, now, no, don't say that because there are things that you don't do. There's stuff in the Word you've chosen not to do. Let me just, can I just start reading my Bible? They'll say, well, I, I read that and I believe that. I just chose not to practice that. Some of you made that choice in the offering today. Shout amen. I know what the Bible says about giving. I just choose not to operate that in my life. I don't believe that applies to me. Amen. So, but we have chosen not to practice those gifts publicly in worship service. Now watch this. Due to the confusion and the division that often comes as a result and or misunderstanding. The only time there's confusion and division is because it's never been taught about. There's no clarity. Amen. If something's out of order, don't take anything. Say, excuse me, that's out of order. Could you hold that? Amen. Or deal with other things. But to say, Holy Spirit, we believe in you. You just can't be here. Or you can come, you can't say anything. That's like inviting a guest speaker and not asking them to speak. That'd be like introducing Dr. Wayne Snow last week. And then saying, I think I know what Wayne wants to say. You stay there, let me speak for you today. And I didn't read his notes or look at anything. I just said, I know, I know Wayne's heart. We fellowship a lot. I know him. We've communed. We prayed together. We've had all this great. We have fished together. We have great fellowship. We are tight. And I know exactly what he wants to say today. And I would presume to speak for him. Are you with me? And so we can do that. Amen? How come it got so sober in here? The worship team come back. I need help. Praise the Lord. Hear me. God desires for each person to be able to recognize his voice and to be without fear, confusion, or misunderstanding in his presence. The only problem is it's hard to happen when he's not allowed to speak or have manifestation. I always question. See, go with me to 1 Corinthians 14. Let me finish here. I, I wanted to get here and we haven't. While they're getting ready. 1 Corinthians 14. Are we helping you today? I don't know about you. I don't want a binky religion. Jesus said it like this. He's, Jesus said in John 6, 63, I believe it is. He said, the words I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. They are spirit and they are life. 
So when we're hearing the word of God, it should be spirit and it should bring life. It should be something that, that, that speaks to my inner ear, not to my head, but to my inner ear. If, if, if my religion and my faith is something I can figure out in my head, then God's too small. I don't want a God that fits in here. This is not big enough for God. Are you listening to me? But in 1 Corinthians 14, look at verse 14. He says, For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays. But my understanding is unfruitful. If I pray in another tongue, if I pray by the Spirit, and I always ask people this, the Bible says pray in the Spirit. And I ask, how do you pray in the Spirit? And if the way you pray in the Spirit is the same way you pray in the understanding, I still ask you the same question, how do you pray in the Spirit? Because Paul says if I pray in another tongue, my spirit prays, but my understanding is unfruitful. Therefore, I will pray in the Spirit, and I will pray in the understanding. I will sing in the Spirit, and I will sing in the understanding. So there's a spirit of prayer. There's prayer in the Spirit, and prayer in the understanding. So they said that we believe that we've received the fullness of God. And Jesus says, out of your innermost being, for livers of living water, the Holy Spirit is inside of you, and He has a voice. And you determine, you and I are like this. I was going to do it today, but I'd have freaked everybody out. I was going to bring a hose in from outside and put a faucet on it. And it's all cool until you squeeze the handle. And some of you know I would not be able to resist squeezing the handle. Okay? But see, look at, look at. But the handle does not determine what comes through it. The hose doesn't determine what It's determined by the source that it's connected to. And your tongue is not the source of your speech. Your heart is. And so if God lives in my heart, I can pray from my spirit and my tongue is just a faucet. My vocal cords are just a hose that it is traveling through. God is coming up to me and I'm choosing to open up and allow that flow of the spirit to come through my life. Pastor Sue, I have to go to Home Depot afterwards. I fix the faucet a couple of times, but our bathroom sink has a drip. And it's annoying. I don't hear it. I fall asleep pretty quick. And the other night we were camping, some, the, the guy pulled in Friday night, a guy pulled in next to us, and like at midnight, <laughs> setting up. And I'm like, what is going on? I thought one of the kids had fallen out of bed or something. I'm up looking around. And person, this guy right in the site next to us is setting up his trailer at midnight till one o'clock. And so I asked her, did you hear that guy? I said, what guy? And she was already asleep, yes. So I said, you slept through that, but you can't go to sleep. And, and my mind can't get around this, amen? But anyway, anyway, now watch, watch, watch. <laughs> yeah, she's going, he can't hear. That's it, bro. He can't hear. Amen. <laughs> 
Amen. Amen. Now why? Do you know that you can be a constant drip in the Spirit? That you can... So I, I can either just walk through the day just calmly praying in the Spirit. At the same time be engaged in other things. And let my faucet leak. Amen? Or you can just choose... This faucet will never let anything out. The Bible says this on the day of Pentecost. And they all began to speak as the Spirit gave them utterance. So all of a sudden, a supply began to rise up. But the vow said, hey, come on out here. Because another voice has said, another voice has said, that's not God. To have that come out of you, that's not God. You've heard me say, I know I have to quit. But we pastored in Bieber when we went there. God sent us there. It was a very non-spirit-filled church and God sent us there. I said, God, I am not non-spirit-filled. I am. And, and I told the people, I said, I'm sorry. I... I'm not like you. I, I have a Bible experience. I have what the Bible says. I've been baptized with the Holy Spirit. I pray in a heavenly language. I speak with other tongues. But I said, I'm not here to make you what I am. We have a very sweet couple that was there. Jeff and Marsha Bidwell were our worship leaders. Marsha was raised in her home her whole life that speaking in tongues was of the devil. She had been raised up and told that and taught that her whole life. We were there a year for the first year, I taught on the Holy Spirit. His gifts, His ministry, His person of the Holy Spirit. And uh, Pastor Doug came and had a meeting. We had a great time. God did a lot of cool things. We talked to you about that. And then in September, Tommy Worthing came and did a message on the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And uh, as a result of that message, her husband got baptized with the Holy Ghost. And being the comforting and consoling person I am, I said, Marcia, the devil is in your house. Your husband is demon-possessed. I'd tease her. Amen. But then in May, in May, after teaching, she said, Pastor, I get it. You've taught, and I understand. And, and Pastor Doug, came back the following year, and he said, he goes, she goes, it was between Sunday morning and Sunday night church, she said, do you think he's going to give an altar call for the baptism of the Holy Spirit tonight? And this is what she said. She said, um, I understand the difference between a message in tongue. When somebody speaks in church and gives a message in tongue and that's interpreted and that's prophetic. And I understand the difference between praying in the Spirit and having a prayer language where I speak to God, mysteries to God, 1 Corinthians 14, 2. And I, have the, I, I understand that. And she said, listen, to, she said, there's been times when we've been worshiping in service when I sense the Spirit of God rising up, but I, I turn the faucet off because of the voice that I heard my whole life. And that Sunday night, Pastor Doug gave the altar call. And I mean, he goes, if you tonight, she's like, yep. <laughs> I mean, she's there. I mean, he didn't even say, if you what? There. She began worshiping. And we didn't even pray for her. You know what we said? We said, go ahead. All she needed was the okay to be told it's okay. 
Because the Holy, listen, the Holy Spirit had already done what, what people had tried to choke. He had already, and so she's like, boom, blew up. It was awesome. Amen. Uh, we had a whole church full of people that were like that. People raised so different. And then the next thing you know, they're, they're, they're prophesying in church. They're giving words of knowledge. They're giving message. And, and God, the voice is alive again. Can I tell you, God wants his voice alive in his church, and he wants it alive in you. Would you bow your head with me today? Hallelujah. Maybe you're here today. Maybe you're here today. And for whatever reason, you've listened to a voice that has told you. You don't have to do all that to be saved. You don't have to be in a body. You don't have to go to church. You don't have to do this. You don't have to do that. You can just believe. You can just agree. And that's good enough. You've listened to something that's pacified the conviction in your heart. But yet in reality, you know that that voice hasn't given you any life. Nothing's changed. Only the blood cleanses our conscience. And so you, you sense God keeps pulling you. But that other voice has been so strong. But God's trying to speak to you today. And He's inviting you to the cross to lay everything down. And just to trust Him and to receive His voice of forgiveness. And for healing and for resurrection in your life. In just a moment, I'm going to give you the opportunity to come. Maybe you're here today and for whatever reason, that voice of God has just set you. And you're a Christian. You've given your life to God. But voices, those other voices have coming in like Jesus read in the parable. The deceitfulness of riches, the lust of other things. The characters come in and they choke the word. So that voice that used to be so clear, it's become choked by other voices. Today, there's a desire in your heart. Just say, God, I want to remove the voices. Maybe prayer has been a block for you in, in doing that. Maybe today you just need to make this altar the wall and come back to the wall and just lift your voice up to God and let God begin to speak to you as you speak to Him. Maybe you're here today and somebody's told you that the Holy Spirit wasn't for you, it wasn't for today. You were raised like the church I pastored, like the church that we heard the email from. It's not select. There, there's lots of, the, we, we do it, we don't understand it, it brings confusion. And because of that, we've said no to the Holy Spirit. But you sense God trying to rise up on the inside of you. You sense this swelling on the inside of you and there's a hunger for all of God. But you've never opened up and let the Holy Spirit pray through you. You've never prayed in the Spirit, been baptized with the Spirit. I'm going to ask our leaders to come stand up here. If you need prayer this morning, we're going to be here in the next few moments as they begin to sing. If you need prayer in accepting Christ, you need prayer in commitment, you need prayer in any of these areas, if you need prayer for healing in your body, would you just move right now as we begin to worship? We want to pray and agree with you in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. If you need to find a place of prayer, feel free to come and just kneel someplace and pray. We'll agree with you and pray with you. Hallelujah.